Welcome to a special emergency episode of Rebel Steps. I'm Liz. Amy and I are currently in New York where everything is locked down. This episode will definitely be a little less polished than our other episodes, but for now we just wanted to get it out as soon as possible. It's a really unprecedented moment here in New York and globally. It sort of feels like the world is ending, but there is some hope in this moment. We've seen mutual aid projects starting, neighbors are helping each other with groceries, people are donating and even sewing masks for medical personnel. We've seen increased calls for Medicare for all. We've seen people realizing that they have to support one another because once again, the government has failed us. One idea that's been popping up all over the place is organizing a rent strike. Today, we'll be looking at how you can participate step by step. Before we get into the how-to, let's talk about why you should consider participating. There are some vital reasons to consider doing this both in your building and in coordination with tenants around the world. In your building, one reason could be that you've lost your job or aren't able to work. You may just need that money to survive. You may need it for food and medicine, and that's a really, really good reason. This is probably the number one reason people will participate in a rent strike. Two, even if you can pay rent, a rent strike now can make sure that As we recover from the effects of COVID-19, all of us can remain in our homes. It's a protection for the future. And while you may be able to pay today, you might not be able to pay next month. Three, this is also a chance to show solidarity with those who are already struggling. If someone else in your building can't pay, you can have their back. And if you have that money, instead of paying rent, you can use it to support the people around you by buying food or medicine. Lastly, even if you don't decide to strike in the end, Organizing your building is a good thing anyway. So regardless of what happens next, you can aim to create a building-based tenants union when this is all done that can fight rent increases and evictions. With climate change and an economic depression underway, this won't be the last crisis we face together. Organizing now can make sure we are more resilient for the future. Now, let's talk about what the demands of a widespread coordinated rent strike will be. For you and your neighbors, the goal of a one-month rent strike may be about affording food and surviving. The goal of a more widespread rent strike is achieving political demands. A rent strike can fundamentally change the way we view housing. Housing is a human right. Building strong tenants' unions and exercising our power as tenants are steps toward ensuring housing for all in the long term. With all that in mind, we feel that everyone who can participate in a rent strike should participate. Now, you know your own situation, and we don't want you to just not pay rent. We'll talk more about that later. But if you're in a position to organize a rent strike in your building, please jump in. This is a crucial moment. Perhaps the most attainable political goal is changing the laws so that we are guaranteed housing during this crisis and beyond. Sean Boulier of the Seriously Wrong podcast has an idea for that policy, which he outlined in an article entitled Cancel Rent Day in Ricochet just last week. He writes, quote, I propose something simple. Provinces should reimburse landlords for maintenance costs during the pandemic. In order to apply for this relief, landlords would just need to submit information about their maintenance costs over the last year. The data used in refund applications could discreetly and confidentially be used by the province to create new and independent provincial landlords' registries, which track the real costs of rental units across the country. 
This priceless data would give the provinces information it needs, but usually can't get, to shape policy to better address the housing crisis, keep rents affordable, and create housing for the homeless. We can use rent day cancellation as an opportunity to look under the hood of the housing market and fix the problems based on the evidence, end quote. Every government should institute a policy like this immediately. Beyond what Sean's proposing, there are five demands circulating on the internet right now which apply more generally. They are, one, free health care. That includes all testing and all care, both related and unrelated to the pandemic. Two, no work. Suspend work obligations. Guarantee food stamps and sick pay. Three, no pay, no debt. Suspend all rent, mortgages, utilities, foreclosures, evictions, and parking enforcement. Four, free the prisoners. End bail for jails, deactivate ICE, and stop all sweeps of homeless camps. Five, homes for all. Open up unoccupied homes to anyone who needs one. In a world where we can't gather and meet and where everything is upside down, a wrench strike is a powerful tactic to try and gain these demands. There are lots of calls for a wrench strike. There are calls in Montreal, Austin, San Francisco, Chicago, Seattle, LA, and more. We're not the first and we're not going to be the last. But we wanted to add our voice because there's not a lot of details on how to do this, especially in this very unusual moment. Basically, we're asking if we could organize a wrench strike in seven days across the country and across the world, what would be the first step? So what is a wrench strike actually? You alone skipping rent is not a rent strike, and it's not organizing. You alone not paying your rent is very dangerous. It could lead to eviction and damage your credit rating. It's also not just lobbying political officials to cancel rent day. Though you can do that too. We need every tactic right now. A rent strike is a type of protest where tenants as a group refuse to pay rent until specific demands are met. You organize your building to not pay rent together is a rent strike. Historically, it's been used against larger landlords to stop rent increases and fight for better living conditions. In this moment, a national rent strike could be used as pressure to push for bigger changes. So, if you're ready to join the rent strike, make sure you start your organizing by talking to your roommates if you have them. Tell them you want to organize the building and see how they're feeling. The last thing you want to do is not tell your own roommates about this bold plan and have them find out from a neighbor. My name is Franz, and I organize with Olympia Assembly and our partner organization, Olympia Solidarity Network, here in Olympia, Washington. I have been involved for a while with a group called Olympia Assembly. We have big general assemblies four times a year where we get out as many people from the community as possible in order to identify unaddressed needs and areas for mutual aid and direct action. And at one of these general assemblies, we really identified tenant organizing as something a lot of people in our town were interested in getting involved in, and there was a huge need for it. So out of that, we formed Olympia Solidarity Network with a goal of being able to address specific tenant and worker grievances. Franz is also a host on Doomer vs. Bloomer, another Channel Zero Network podcast. In addition to doing tenant organizing in the past, Franz is currently working to organize a rent strike in her area for April 1. She's going to walk us through this step by step. Right now, you know, with people being laid off their jobs and 
a lot of inability to pay rent. Like there's a lot of interest in tenants organizing right now. To begin in earnest, talk to the other tenants in the building. A great place to start is leaving letters at people's door and putting up posters in the hallways with an email address for people to reach out to you. Usually, you'd go door-to-door and have in-person conversations for this step, but in the current crisis, that's not recommended. Right now, obviously having to shift those tactics away from, you know, maybe door-knocking isn't the best idea, but wiring, sending notes over to your neighbor, putting them on their door and their mailbox, things like that. As a side note, It's a great time to find out if anyone in your building is older or immunocompromised. Offer to help them get groceries or other necessities if you can. It's a great way to support your neighbors and build support for the strike. If you've already started reaching out to your neighbors for mutual aid, you've got a head start on this. For examples of letters and flyers, check out nostrike.noblogs.org. You can find a link in the show notes for a how-to guide and other useful info. If you don't have access to a printer right now, you'll have to write handwritten notes. Your first order of business will be getting everyone's phone number and email, so you'll be able to switch to electronic communication soon enough. You also can ask if your neighbors have access to a printer as you start organizing. Someone might be eager to get involved. And if you have a printer, consider offering to print copies of things for other buildings in your neighborhood if you have contact with them. You need to start by leaving notes though, since not everyone is gonna be looking for you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc., You need to make sure you're talking to your fellow tenants directly. As you start to make contact with everyone in your building, be sure to keep track of the people you're talking to. One thing I always pay attention to during the talking to your neighbors stage is just gathering information and taking tons of notes. like. Who already seems interested? What knowledge and resources do they have? What problems or grievances do they already hold? And then also who that you talk to seems like they might be a potential snitch to the landlord. Because that's something that I, in my organizing, have dealt with in the past of tenants that are really on the landlord's side for whatever reason. And like taking note of that and being wary or cautious around those people until you can confirm that, you know, they are on your side can be really important. Since we don't have a lot of time right now, it may be difficult to figure out who's on the landlord's side. But just do your best to figure out what may be going on based on their reactions. The more people in the apartment complex you can talk to and see what their past experiences with this person have been, the better. Generally, if you knock on someone's door and you're asking them if they have any problems with the apartment complex and then they're just like very firmly saying no and then going on about how great it is that's a pretty good sign. Like I've definitely had that happen to me before. Sometimes you kind of just have to go with your gut instinct and keep someone at like an arm's distance if they don't seem like they're down with the work that you're trying to do. When people reach out to you, enlist them in organizing. If you're listening to this when we drop it, you'll likely only have a week to organize before April 1 and only five weeks before May 1. You need all the help you can get. If your neighbors are nervous about getting involved, send them this podcast or give them a really specific task like contact one neighbor today or research buildings that might be owned by the same company that owns this building. While you're talking to your neighbors, whether that you know be door knocking or a quarantine note passing back and forth, figuring out like what people's capacity and interest in getting involved as an organizer is because 
we talk about the spectrum of allies from people that are 100% your ally, your co-organizer, they want to work with you and you're down. And then, you know, kind of the next step over is people that are interested in the project, generally supportive, but aren't going to get directly involved. And then there's some more, you know, neutral people and all the way over to the other side of people that are directly opposed to you, but trying to shift the people that are neutrally aligned with you to become organizers and people that are neutral towards the campaign to become passive supporters and recognizing that there are going to be and it's fine to have passive supporters while also figuring out who people are that are interested in like really getting involved and really wanting to push this campaign forward. Those people are going to be like super crucial, especially if you're coming at this as someone who doesn't live at this particular apartment complex, or if if you are an organizer that's organizing your own apartment complex and trying to reach out and build connections with other apartment complexes that you don't live in directly. Finding the people that live there and talk to their neighbors and are embedded in that community that want to show up to meetings and help with strategizing is super crucial. Keep in mind that some people will want to participate in the strike but may not be able to take part in organizing. They might have kids at home or still be working, so be understanding of each person's situation. As you enlist your neighbors, make sure you have a way to communicate with each other. Something that I've really learned is whatever communication platforms tenants are already using is probably just what you should go with. Our organization tends to use like Signal, which is an encrypted messaging app for our like internal communications, but most tenants that we talk to aren't already going to be on that app. And the fewer barriers for people getting plugged in and getting involved, the better. So figuring out what types of communication platforms people are used to using and comfortable using is super important. So just like a regular texting group or a Facebook group, an app I really like to use is GroupMe because it's a really easy way to set up texting groups where it doesn't just get all messed up because everyone has a different type of phone and and group messages don't always work well between like iPhone and Android and flip phone. GroupMe allows anyone to be joined in this group without necessarily having to have the app downloaded. Next, set a date and time for a call. Again, this would usually be in person, but because of the health risk, a call is the best option. Really what's important is Scheduling a meeting and meeting, you know, either in person or in our current circumstances, trying to set up digital calls, whether that be through, you know, Zoom, Google Hangouts. Jitsi is another one that's less big capitalist tech company. It's encrypted. So that's one that I like to use. As you organize a time for the call, also set up an agenda and prepare. Make sure you have someone prepared to facilitate the call and someone ready to take notes. Here are some things you'll want to cover introductions where people can get to know one another, are there any immediate needs in the building that we can address now? Since we're in the middle of a crisis, it's a good idea to check in on everyone and do some mutual aid in the building if you aren't already. How much of the building is here? Does anyone know the missing units and can someone reach out to them? How are people feeling about striking April or May 1? What questions do we have? When's our next call? During the call, make sure everyone has a chance to ask questions and talk about their needs and concerns letting tenants take the lead in the meeting, especially people that are newer to organizing, like being able to find the right balance between having an agenda that you stick with and get through the things you need to talk about, but especially focusing on giving the people involved and affected and all of the people involved and affected, not just the people that were already organizers before this, ownership over the project and the feeling like they have the ability to fully participate and affect the course of this campaign, leaving lots of time for check-ins and people like saying how they think that things are going and if they're comfortable with the direction that this is going in. Because 
you know, tenant organizing and especially organizing for a rent strike is something that is very high risk and very high risk for the tenants involved. And so making sure that they are on board with everything that's happening and that they not just feel, but they truly are the source of the actions being taken and it's like their ideas are being enacted and that they have the ability to shape the campaign, I think is super important. Make sure people are leaving with action items. In the notes, make it clear who is responsible for which task and follow up on these as the days go on. Since this is a major project and you just have a week if you're aiming for April 1 or five weeks if you're aiming for May 1, I recommend setting up daily calls and staying in close contact with people you're organizing with. I've never participated in a campaign that had like such a short turnaround time, you know, as like trying to get as many people on board um, for like an April rent strike in, you know, a week as possible. Um, And so like typically what we do is we'll do weekly or every other week meetings, depending on how urgent the campaign is. In times like this, I could see daily check-ins being absolutely crucial. And if it's not daily meetings that maybe not everyone can commit to, just daily communication, whatever that looks like through these digital platforms and checking in with people and confirming where where they're at and what the strategy is and what we're doing next and making sure everyone is comfortable moving forward with that. You're going to need to repeat these steps until you have most of your building on board. As you go, you'll need to strategize. The first part of strategizing is developing your demands. When in the past Oli Saul has started a new campaign, the very first step is through these meetings with tenants, through, you know, the door knocking and figuring out what people's grievances are, really trying to like consolidate specific demands. Right now, the demand is kind of just if we don't get paid because we don't have jobs, we can't and we won't pay our rent. And even, you know, the folks that, you know, do have the money, have the savings or haven't been laid off yet are also not going to pay it in order to stand in solidarity and protect their fellow tenants who aren't able to pay. And so the primary demand is just allow us not to pay rent this month or we aren't going to pay this rent this month and you're not going to evict us or punish us for it. But, you know, potentially using this as an opportunity to figure out like what are the other problems that, you know, you're having in your apartment complex? What are the other problems that are happening across the board? That oftentimes is landlords that are not doing repairs in a timely manner, like oftentimes not in the legally required time frame, or it could be landlords violating privacy laws, or it could be, you know, any number of things. If you're already talking to your neighbors and you're already organizing this groundswell of grassroots support for pushing for demands, it's amazing opportunity to throw some other demands in there as well. The second part of strategizing is figuring out a little more about your landlord and tailoring your response to what you find out. So first up, figuring out what your demands actually are. And then second step, figuring out who the target is. So usually that is going to be the landlord, but depending on what kind of landlord they are, there's going to be a lot of different considerations. Like, is it a single individual that owns one complex with 20 units? Is it a large corporation that owns apartment complexes across the country? Is it a nonprofit that specifically prides itself in providing affordable housing to low-income tenants? All of those different scenarios are going to require different considerations and different tactics. In a typical tenant organizing campaign, next you'd use tactics such as delivering a letter to the landlord or occupying an office. And those just aren't possible now. Once you figure out those first two things, what your demands are and who the target is and what specific considerations you have, 
in pressuring them, it kind of comes to figuring out what the tactics you have available to you and when it makes sense to employ them. The solidarity network model, what we try to focus on is a constant escalation of tactics. So starting with something fairly small and benign and being able to like constantly kind of ramp up the pressure. And so our first step is pretty much always, once we've consolidated the demands, we write a demand letter. We'll deliver that demand letter to the landlord, usually in a big kind of <laughs> showy, flashy way that demonstrates our like grassroots people power. That, you know, is going to be particularly hard right now, you know, when we need to be socially distancing. And so figuring out how to adapt that tactic and all of the other tactics that we normally have in our tool belt is something that's going to be particularly difficult and take a lot of consideration and thought. But going off of these kind of like established models of tenant organizing and trying to like modify and adjust them to these specific circumstances is something that we can be doing right now. In light of coronavirus, one idea is getting your letter signed by organizations and tenants from elsewhere. Having not just tenants in the building, but, you know, well-known organizations throughout town, maybe like well-known individuals and just as many people as possible showing this groundswell of popular support behind these demands definitely serves the same function of the demand delivery, where you're just trying to demonstrate the amount of support and people power that you have behind these demands. As you and other tenants scramble to organize your building, you can also be looking for a larger network. Find the buildings that are owned by the same landlord or company and organize with them. If you pay by Venmo, you may be able to find tenants in your landlord's payment history. Reach out to tenant unions in your area, or if there's not one, reach out to ones in neighboring cities and areas and see what resources they can offer. Look around online for organizing happening in your area. Put up posters and flyers and street art so while people are taking walks, they see them. We're stronger when we do this together. And if you, know, you as an individual just decide not to pay your rent this month, there's not going to be a whole lot of power behind that. And like, ultimately, your landlord is going to be in the more advantageous position in that scenario. And so really emphasizing that we need to organize for a rent strike. We need to be talking to our neighbors. We need to be getting people on board. We need to be reaching outside of our existing use and agitating as many people as possible participate in this. And then, you know, when April 1st rolls around, ideally we have the necessary threshold to make it safe for people to actually withhold their rent. If that can be achieved in specific apartment complexes or against specific landlords, that's awesome and amazing and should be absolutely counted as a win, but also recognizing that there's a lot of gray area between like an absolute win and an absolute loss. And it's important to use anything that's less than an absolute win, absolutely celebrate the victories you did have, publicize your victories, use it as a means to inspire more people to action and put out there like the methods and tactics you use for other people to replicate and then use that momentum to continue to push for an even bigger rent strike, an even more effective, more all-encompassing rent strike next month or push for the other demands I was talking about, the other grievances tenants might have in an apartment complex and hopefully sustain this tenant power in the long term. Thinking about how you wrap up a campaign is super important or how you wrap up one stage of a campaign and move on to the next and continuing that momentum and learning from mistakes and learning from 
areas that you may consider a loss and using wins to catalyze further action into happening. Looking forward to future action is key since April 1 is fast approaching. We need to think long term about building momentum. The, the really quick turnaround thing is really difficult for me to wrap my head around. It's very new, even for people that have been involved in tenant organizing for a long time. And I think one thing to remember is that ultimately there has to be quick action, there has to be quick turnaround, but it's still a marathon that we're running and not a sprint. And so I think ramping up for April 1st and trying to get people on board for a rent strike is important. And it's also important to remember that if April comes around and you don't pull off everything you wanted to pull off, don't count that as a loss. Use that as momentum to keep pushing for next month and getting even more people involved and getting even more apartment complexes and even more tenants to join in on this movement. Because it, you know, it has to be a growing movement with continuous momentum, not something that we, you know, sprint for for two weeks and then give up on it. It doesn't end exactly how we want it to. This is an unprecedented, historic moment. Let's seize it and run with it. The Trump administration is already cracking down in a variety of ways. The only antidote to the oncoming authoritarianism is organizing and community building. We have an opening here. Let's take it and make Rent Strike a reality. If you're a podcaster, writer, journalist, or any other kind of media maker, please consider covering this in the next day or two. We need all the perspectives we can get. We need the idea signal boosted now while there's still time to organize. We need to normalize the idea of a rent strike on every platform. Literally, no one has organized a nationwide or international rent strike before. This is new for all of us. No one has a magic formula for it. No one knows how it might work. We have to organize our communities and try new things. And trying new things is uncomfortable and difficult. Talking to your neighbors who you've only passed in the hall before will likely be awkward at times. Jay Lucien of IWW, DSALSC, and Symbiosis Federation in Milwaukee, and Varla Makrat of Tenants United in Chicago, wrote of their own uneasiness when entering tenant organizing for an article in Roar magazine. They wrote, quote, Many of us who started the union had experience in other forms of organizing and had no illusions about how difficult building the union would be. The biggest fear, for many of us, was that people might get evicted as a result of our mistakes. We have since come to realize that the real harm comes from not getting involved. Our experience has taught us that in cases where tenants fight back, they are significantly more likely to get better outcomes and, crucially, to help avoid future evictions, end quote. With a pandemic in full swing and an economic depression happening, it's going to at least be uncomfortable anyway and more than uncomfortable for many of us. Now is the time to jump in. Also, I just want to stress that we don't know what tomorrow is going to be like. We're not encouraging any reckless behavior. The risks of a wrench strike are incredibly high, including risk of eviction. Please take this decision seriously. You know your unique situation best. But the reason we're putting this out now is that a mass wrench strike creates more safety for all of us. They can't evict us all. To be completely transparent, for me, my landlord owns just one building. I'm in touch with my neighbors and we'll see how things progress, but it's not a given that even my building will do this April 1. Amy, the producer of this podcast, lives in the same building as her landlord and his family, with just one other tenant, so any rent strike would be a more personal conversation. I'm just offering you information that may be useful if and when the time comes for you and your building to rent strike. At the very least, 
We'll be waiting to pay rent until the last possible day so we can make an informed decision, and I'd encourage you to do the same. And as we organize our neighbors, let's build for the future. Again, helping out your neighbors and creating a stronger community in your building is a great goal, regardless of whether or not you strike. Keep that long-term vision in mind as you consider this. Even though we don't know what the future holds, we do know that those stronger communities are the best way to ensure a safer world for all of us. In the podcast, It Could Happen Here, Robert Evans said, quote, a network of human beings working together to protect one another are stronger than any bunker. They're stronger than any state. Those bonds are not just what will save us if the state collapses. They're the only thing that can carry us through to a better future. If you're looking for more tips on tenant organizing, check out the show notes. If you need more general tips on organizing, look at our first season. We have an episode on how to be an organizer and an episode on mutual aid. You've been listening to Rebel Steps. I'm your host, Liz. Believe in yourself, trust one another, and get organized. This episode was written, edited, and produced by Amy and myself. Music for this episode was kindly gifted to us by Tutley and also includes a few songs that I created. Special thanks to our interviewee, Friends of Olympia Assembly and Doomer vs. Bloomer, and also special thanks to Pearson of Coffee with Comrades and Will for their feedback. For more resources, check out the show notes for this episode on rebelsteps.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon or sharing this episode with your friends or via social media. This podcast is part of the Channel Zero Network, an anarchist podcast network run by radical media makers. Head over to channelzeronetwork.com for more podcasts. Spec. I'm trying to record this.